All right, great week talking about the, the armor of God and putting on the, the full armor of God, this medieval night theme that we had going on throughout the church. And the armor of God that's taken from Ephesians 6. So I want to start, what I want to do this morning, we don't have time for, this is a, for a full series on the armor of God, that'd be great to do sometime. Uh, but uh, I want to read through this, and then I want to talk about at least three different uh, parts of the armor, at least a little bit. I want to talk about one more than the others, uh, just the time that we have, uh, but just a reminder, but I hope this is something you're looking at, you're thinking about as well. But let's read this passage together. So it's in Ephesians chapter 6. This is in the Bible. This is written by the Apostle Paul. He's uh, imprisoned in Rome at this point and uh, chained to a soldier. And you see in the, the soldier there in his armor writes this message to believers and therefore to us as well. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication we'll end right there I think one of the things that we need to get from this is that part of the reason that we need to put on the full armor of God and what, those, what that represents is because there is another force that is out there this is saying that there is uh, a different kingdom that is at work in the world and at work against us in our lives as well. And we've been going through the book of Genesis uh, here in most of the morning services, and we see that God created this world, and he created it, it good. And when he created Adam and Eve, originally our first parents, uh, they were stated that they were good. It was a state of innocence. But it didn't stay that way long because uh, the devil uh, tempted them, and they rebelled, they sinned against God, and now we live in a very different world than we would have otherwise. A world that uh, God is still active, but this world is, is broken. There's sin in this world, and sin has affected all of us. And sin is not just out there, but it's also inside of us in, in our hearts. We come into this world in a state of sinfulness, and that's why we do sin. That's why kids uh, do naughty things. You don't have to necessarily even teach them to do that, because we have that sin uh, that is uh, a part of us that we are wired into. So we come into this world uh, in uh, this other kingdom, this kingdom of darkness, that Satan, uh, the angels that followed him, the demons, uh, that they are opposed to God. And they would like to keep as many people away from God as possible because they hate God. And therefore, Satan, who we believe is real, hates those that God loves. And God loves you. God loves people. God loves your, your children individually. And so to get at God, uh, the devil is against you. 
So we have to be aware of that. And the passage, as we just read, told us that, that this is not armor for a physical fight. This is armor for an even deeper spiritual fight between these two kingdoms that are out there. And therefore, it said, put on the full armor of God. Notice that. It really emphasized that as well. That it's not just good enough to put on one piece or another. And all of these link together and all of these are needed. What they represent, all of these things are, are necessary for us. And so if we're missing any of them, you know, that's where the enemy is going to attack you. It's going to attack your, your vulnerabilities. You know, maybe you've read uh, the, the book The Hobbit or you've seen the movies that came out after that. You remember in The Hobbit, there's this uh, mighty dragon, Smog, and uh, he has uh, scales that are uh, just impenetrable. But there ends up being like one scale that's, that's missing. And uh, that's where uh, Bard shoots him with an arrow and is able to take down this dragon. You know, in the same way in our lives, you could be invulnerable all over, but the enemy is going to look for that one area of vulnerability that you have. And he's going to be aiming for that to try and trip you up to destroy your life or to keep you from coming to know the Lord even in the first place. And so the whole armor of God is, is really important. So the first one I want to talk about is one of the pieces, it talks about you know, the, uh, the belt of truth, but then it talks about the breastplate of righteousness. I want to talk about this. And what, what are we talking about? Putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Is this saying to us, well, be righteous, you, make sure you are a good person. And some people think that that's the message of Christianity, that's the message of the Bible, is just, you're a bad person, you need to start to be a good person. Turn your life around, get your act together, be a better person. And what I want to help us all understand here is, uh, the Bible actually says something different about that. Of course, want, God wants us to be better people. We should be trying to live for him. The problem is we don't. The problem is that we are sinners. And therefore, there is a certain part of righteousness that you need to receive, that we need to receive, uh, even before we start to turn our life around and, and grow and become a better, better person. And so when it talks about the breastplate of righteousness, here's my first point to you, is that righteousness is a gift from Jesus Christ. That there is a righteousness that... God has for you that is from him and that you are to receive and to put on and that it's not actually a righteousness that is your own but it's a righteousness that is that is given to you and you get credit for this now maybe you've heard uh, during the week there's some videos that we made uh, and showed the kids each day and uh, I love producing these videos and, and making them and so there's a Quite a few of our young people that were involved in this too. And so we had like an eight or ten minute uh, video each day. And uh, after a while, the kids were getting, I think by day three when it ended, I had people, they were mad because it was cliffhangers. You know, I realized, you know, you can't just binge watch these all like they're, they're used to. But uh, little cliffhangers, but the kids were getting into them. We have, we're going to be giving away DVDs uh, of those afterwards. But I thought, you know what, it might be kind of fun to, to show a little bit of that. So this is a section of one of those videos. This is from uh, in the middle of it, and I'll set it up a little bit for you. Uh, but this is uh, talking about the breastplate of righteousness. And so there's, there's spiritual truth embedded in these videos. But in the story in the video, uh, Archibald, this uh, uh, guy who wants to be a knight, his sister is kidnapped. That's what you need to know by the evil black knight. And so they're on their journey. 
to, uh, to rescue his sister from the kingdom of darkness. And along the way, uh, they keep accumulating more pieces of the armor of God to help him out with this. So this is a sequence here where he gets the, the breastplate of righteousness, and there's a nice little battle scene as well. So, hope you don't mind watching. Let's stop and rest here. Absolutely. How are you guys doing? Queasy, and my shoulder hurts. It's terrible. I don't know, just the, the long trek has got me thinking just about my sister, all the things I said to her, all the not-so-great things before she got kidnapped. I have this weird feeling in my heart. I think what you're feeling is guilt. Guilt? What? Like, when you feel bad about the things that you were mean about in the past. Well, I don't really like that. No, it's not fun. Ugh. The Bridge of Despair! Who's that? None shall pass. Just who did this guy think he is? Goldness. No! 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 You'll hit Sisygus. Never make it past the fires of burning guilt. You are not worthy. Only the righteous can make it through these flames. Are you perfect? No? <laughs> I, I, I can't do it. I'm not. I'm not righteous. I'm guilty. Check the satchel. You need more of God's armor to get through the flames of guilt. You're right. It's the only way. The breastplate of righteousness. I can't wear this. This, this righteousness isn't mine. No, it isn't. It's from another and a gift to you. It's the gift of righteousness that you need.
like them apples. It's not my time to destroy you yet. What? Are you afraid? No, I've outsmarted you. You left your friend unprotected. No. Oh. We enjoy that. <laughs> By the way, if you'd like to donate, um, we have a large uh, bill that we have to do for burning down that bridge. Uh, <laughs> they weren't really. <laughs> One of the spiritual truths that we tried to embed into that clip was that he needed the breastplate of righteousness. And the breastplate of righteousness that we need, again, it's not just about, it's not be a good person. But first of all, there's, a, there's righteousness that you and I, we need to receive that doesn't belong to us. It actually is somebody else's righteousness earned by someone else and given to us. And it doesn't make us so that we in ourselves are righteous. It's not right away. Um, but that when God looks to you, if you have this on, he sees you having the credit of perfect righteousness. And God does actually require perfect righteousness. Sometimes people think that grace means that God just lowers his standards and says, okay, I know you're not perfect, but we're going to let you through. The reality is, and you, you have to listen to me carefully on this, is that God does require perfection for you to go to heaven. Let me say that again, and I, I believe this is true. God requires perfection for you to go to heaven. Because heaven is perfect, and God is perfect, and the Bible says be perfect as God is perfect. But the way that you and I can be perfect is not the way that most people think. Try to be a better person. Because that's not going to work. Because if you're already imperfect, uh, that ship has sailed. You know, it's like trying to bowl a perfect game in bowling. You know, the, in, the moment that you leave one pin standing, that perfect game is gone. And you can never uh, fix that by doing well later on. But the righteousness that we're given is actually earned by Jesus Christ. And it's his perfect life. And so when you trust Jesus as your savior, and I hope you have, that his righteousness is given and credited to you. So you get the credit for that. Now, if this seems too good to be true, I understand that you should want to know, where does it talk about this in the Bible? And here's one place where it talks about this. This is in another letter that, that Paul wrote, also when he was in prison, in Philippians and he says here, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. The things that he is talking about here that he's counting as rubbish, as, as waste material, is his own righteousness. He used to think he was a pretty good person. And compared to all the other people, he's like, I'm a really good person. I'm a, I keep the law. I keep the rules. I do what I'm supposed to. I'm, I'm dedicated to the Lord. I mean, so much that he was persecuting, you know, Christians because he thought that they were uh, going after Jesus and he was wrong until Jesus appeared to him and turned him around. But Paul realized that as much as he thought he was a, the, the most squeaky clean good person, 
he realized that is not going to count for anything in the eyes of God. Because we don't have the perfection we need. A lot of times we think that what we're doing is good, and really it's not in God's eyes, and his eyes are the ones that really matter. But God offers us, he offers you a gift of righteousness. And this is good news, because if you're looking back at your life and you're thinking, man, yeah, I don't even come close to being perfect. I don't even come close to being able to make it to heaven. Even if I turned around my life now and I don't know how well I'm going to be able to do that, there's not enough time to outweigh the, the, the bad that I've done. So this is good news. This is good news. This is what the gospel is. The gospel means literally good news. Is that, yes, God requires perfection, but he is also, he, Jesus came down and lived a perfect life and died on the cross so that he could not only take your sin, but give you his gift of righteousness. So let me finish reading what we have on the screen here. So Paul first, he realizes his righteousness is, is worthless as far as salvation. And then he goes on and says, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not in himself, in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, that comes from you know, obeying obeying rules, being a good person. That's not what is going to get you to heaven. That's not what's going to get you to saved. But, so there's something different, not from ourselves, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. And so here's the news I need to tell you. And this is the this is first thing that you need to do. If uh, you know, Some of you go to church, some of you, uh, I'm glad that you're here so I can tell you this. Because maybe you've been keeping church and stuff at a distance because you feel like I'm inadequate. I got things in my life that are just not right. But here's the thing. You could walk out of here with God's perfect righteousness credited to you. And it's not about, well, go and do a bunch of good things. But that if you trust Jesus Christ, the God-man, as your Savior, then instantly that righteousness is applied to you. It's like credited into your bank account in God's eyes. And it's not your own. It's a gift. That is what Scripture is saying here. Uh, It's not from you, but that which comes through faith in Christ. It's earned by Jesus. You get credit for his perfect life. And then after that, yeah, God works in our lives so that gradually we start to become the, the, the people that God wants you to be. And it's a lifelong process. There's always things in our life that aren't right that we want to look at and improve on. But God starts that work, changing us from the inside out. But we do it now not because, I better be a good person so that God doesn't send me to hell. Instead, you know that (laughs) you're going to be with the Lord forever in in glory in heaven. Uh, Now your motivation is different. It's, It's out of gratitude. It's out of love. It's out of thankfulness to him. And you start to see him for who he is and you realize God is a bigger treasure than any of the other treasures in this world. And I want to live for him. I want to know him more. I want to live my life for him. He deserves to be Lord. He deserves my heart. And you start to realize all that he did for you, that God died for you on the cross so that you could be saved. Because he couldn't just give you his righteousness. He also had to take something from you. And he took your guilt and put that on himself, even though he was innocent, when he died on the cross. 
So accepting that, that's the, that's the first part of the Christian life. That's when you actually become an, a, a Christian. You become what the Bible calls born again. When you receive this righteousness. And so if you are still on the way for that, I pray that you would receive that gift of righteousness. So are you trying to right now, are you trying to stand before God in your own righteousness? Or are you trying to stand before God accepting the righteousness of Jesus that is his, that he offers to you? And says, you can wear my righteousness. You can put this on. And we will give you credit for that. And I pray that you would. And even before you leave, you could silently, you could pray to the Lord and say, I realize I'm a sinner. My life is a mess. And I'm trying to either run away from you or I'm trying to uh, pretend that I'm a good person. But instead, I want to accept this gift, this exchange. And you could pray and say, Lord, uh, I accept Jesus Christ as the one that took my guilt on the cross and I accept his righteousness. Yeah, please credit that to me. It's received by faith. That's in that passage, it's really specifically said it's received by faith, not by going through a ceremony, not by doing good deeds, but by faith. So we have to ask ourselves, what, what is faith? And so that's another piece of the armor of God. I uh, talked about the, uh, the, the shield of faith. A lot of times people, when they talk about faith, uh, they mean it in a way that is not how the Bible talks about faith. Sometimes people say, well, if you have enough faith, you can just, um, uh, it's, people think of faith as maybe sometimes wishful thinking. Just, I, I don't know this is going to happen, but, you know, I have faith that's going to stop raining. Well, maybe it will, maybe it won't, but, you know, just wishful thinking isn't going to accomplish anything. Sometimes people think of faith as uh, believing in something that's make-believe, and there's no evidence for it at all, or it's, it's not true. But that's not what faith means. In the Bible, faith really, it means believing, it means trusting, and specifically, it means trusting that's something that is true. You could have all the faith that you want in something that is, uh, that is a lie. You could have, you know, all the faith in the world that taking cyanide is going to cure your headache. Uh, I guess it may make your headache go away, but not in the way that you want. But it's not going to change what it does. You can have all the faith in the world that you could jump off a building and fly, but you're not going to. It needs to be based in something that is actually true. And so when the Bible talks about faith, it's not talking about wishful thinking. Uh, would you read the, the word faith or you read the word believe, you know, believing in Jesus, it means trusting in him, trusting what he said, trusting that it is true. And so we want to take up, yeah, the, the shield of faith, and at first, that means that you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're thinking to yourself, I, I'm going to stand before God and say, why should I get into heaven? And you're not depending anymore on your good works. You're depending and saying, well, I believe Jesus Christ's righteousness is enough. Do you believe that enough to trust that? If you believe God's word and you believe that what he says is true, then you can, then you can trust that. And then there's the whole Christian life where there's going to be different things, different, different doubts that come on you, different things that Satan will use in your life to, to get you away from God or to stop believing that God is good. Sometimes the pain in life is like that. It's like it describes as, as flaming darts coming at you to try and get you to, to stop believing or to hold back. You know, painful things happen and, and the devil wants you to think, this means God doesn't love you. 
This means God's not in control. This means God is not actually good. And so the shield of faith, it says, is used to extinguish, to block from those darts. So that even though Satan's attacking you, you can say, no, I know what I believe. I know that God is good. I know that he loved me. He loved me enough that he died on the cross for me. So of course, he's going to love me. He's going he's to care for me. And so you stand in faith and you can use faith as a shield, believing God's truth as a shield, believing God himself, his faithfulness as a shield from all these things that come. Now, you know, we're doing a medieval theme, so we have, you know, a shield like this for uh, the week because, you know, medieval knights. Uh, actually, when Paul wrote this, it was in time of the Roman Empire. And so actually the armor that he would have had in mind when he wrote Ephesians 6 was Roman armor because he was there chained to a Roman soldier while he was in prison. And so the shields that they had weren't really like this. Their shields were, and you've seen them, these uh, very large shields. They're kind of rounded in front, and you know, they would stand together, they would lock them together. Uh, but they were made with layers of wood and skin and different layers so that you know, when the enemy shot uh, arrows at them, you know, it would hit there, it would absorb that, you know, extinguish it if the, it was flaming. And so it wasn't just even a small shield, it was this huge shield that they could hide behind and block that. So we take that up in our lives by believing and trusting God, no matter the circumstances or the pains that are coming at us in life. And those things are going to come at us. But then the last thing I want to talk about is also the, uh, the Word of God. And it talks about the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. So faith is trusting something that is true. Do you believe Jesus enough that you actually trust him alone with your eternal destiny? And then you actually also trust him uh, that God is faithful, that he is good, even when there are the attacks of the enemy that come. Last we talk about the sword of the Spirit, uh, the Word of God, which is, which is the Bible. And the Bible tells us what is true. See how these things have to go together? You know, if you need to put on the breastplate of righteousness, you realize that that's the only way that you can be saved is accepting Christ's righteousness. And then you have to faith, you have to believe that enough. But you can't just have wishful thinking that this sounds like it'd be a great way to, to go to heaven. Um, and so wishful thinking, I'm going to believe this is true. It needs to be anchored in something that you can actually trust that is worthy of your trust. And so the word of God, the Bible, is what God has given us so that you can know what is actually true. That this is something that God has actually said, that he has actually promised to you. There was an Indiana Jones movie that was out this summer. I love seeing those as kids. I went and watched it, and maybe at least seen the trailer. But there was a line in the Indiana Jones movie uh, that it was this dramatic thing. Uh, but uh, I wrote it down here. Indiana Jones uh, says at one point, they're questioning about uh, different things, and he says, but a few times in my life, I've seen things, things I can't explain, and I've come to believe that it's not so much about what you believe it's about how hard you believe it. And in the movie, there's the music. It's done dramatically like, oh, that's a, that's a great thing to say. But think about that. Is that true? It's not so much about what you believe, but about how hard you believe it. 
You know, that's a modern thing that the world tells us, that it doesn't really matter what you believe, just believe it with all your heart. And if one person believes this truth, that's fine, as long as they're, they're committed to it. If someone believes something else that's completely contrary, then, well, as long as you really believe it. And that's kind of what that movie was saying there. But what I tell you, and what the Bible says, is that Jesus is the only way, and that his truth is truth, and something else contradicts that truth, that's not true. And so the way that God has for you and I, for your kids, for all of us, to know the truth uh, is the Bible, the Word of God, and that is the, the sword of the Spirit that we're supposed to take up. Not a physical sword, but learning God's Word. And so the question for you is, how well can you handle God's Word? How well do you know it? Is it just a, a collection of old stories that you kind of remember and were not in that much? If you were a soldier back in the day or a knight, you would be training hours each day with a sword. And even if we had a bunch of swords here and we had them and we had other people that uh, from, from ancient times come in and we had to defend ourselves, we wouldn't do well because we're not trained, most of us, with a sword where they'd be training all the time. So my question to you is, are you in the Word of God? Are you learning the Word of God? Or is it just kind of a, a book that just sits there and collects dust? Uh, it's an app on your phone that you that you, barely, that you barely touch. And I want to encourage you to be in Scripture. Do you believe the Bible? And are you learning from it? That's the reason you can believe these promises is because it is God's Word and God has told it to us. So I want to challenge you, that no matter where you're at, to be in the Bible more, to be learning from it. You know, and that's one of the reasons that we love getting together for church every Sunday. It's another way, a really important way, that we can gather together and sit under God's word, uh, both through the preaching, through Sunday school classes. And I want to encourage you, maybe as you're looking into this fall and you're thinking about, well, even starting before that, as, you know, things are starting up school season, that maybe this is the year that God wants you and your family to get more involved in the word of God and in church. So you can learn about the Lord, that you can learn about this God that made everything and who is of ultimate importance. And so we come together, we learn together from the Word of God. do my best to try and explain it, but there's other Bible studies, different things, kids programs uh, that I hope you get your kids involved in. Sunday school, our Wednesday programs are just a ton of fun. And so if you are not already uh, going to a good church every week, I just, I encourage you, I invite you, we'd love to have you here and love to have you be a part of things. So, these are just a few of the armor of God, kind of how they link together. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much uh, for what your word tells us and that it tells us about these pieces of the armor of God and what they represent, Lord. And so I've, I pray for everyone here that if there's anyone here that has not trusted Jesus Christ, the Lord, as their Savior, pray that you would work in their heart, that they would realize that without you we are sinners and that we, are not, we do not have the righteous perfection that we need, but that you offer that to us through Jesus Christ, that we can put on his righteousness and get credit for his perfect life. And Lord, that would be too good to be true, and so help us to have the faith to believe that, a believing faith that is based on the word of God, what you have actually said, what you have actually promised. Help us to believe you, to follow you, and to live for you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for these kids that were part of VBS.
In Jesus' name and for his glory we pray, amen.